Tired of the Oscars? Golden Globes got you down. It's time for a new kind of awards show. The Pop Pop DNA DNA Film Film Awards. Awards. Featuring Aaron, Rhonda, a bunch of our podcast friends, and the best movies of 2020. As voted on by you, our listeners. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to find a link to your ballot. And vote for your favorite movies beginning December 1st. Then listen when the bonus episode premieres on January 30th. If we're all still here by then. The Pop DNA Film Awards. This ballot will count. On this week's episode of Toss a Coin to Share, we teach share the quarter, the, the teach- value of a quarter. We're teaching Cher how to, how to do her laundry. Yes. <laughs> That's why we need coins. Oh. This is the We don't use coins anymore except for laundry, Cher. <laughs> That's true, though. That's the only time yeah. that I use coins. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't used a dollar in like, I don't know. I, well, I mean, like, I use dollars. Like, I use cash sometimes. But, like, if I'm paying something in coins and using, like, a significant number of coins, it's because I'm doing yeah. laundry. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, you wouldn't, like, just put a coin, like, like I'm an not gonna, amount of like, coins. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to go grocery shopping and pay in coins. Like. <laughs> no. Wait, why are we talking about coins? The real reason that we're all here today is to talk about The Witcher. And oh, of this course, is this is Pop DNA. <laughs> oh yeah, that's us. Hi, hey, hey. As we got real, hey. as we got real salty about in our in our Parks and Rec episodes, if you don't know what you're listening to, well, then oh, that's yeah. your choice. That's true. Yeah, because I mean, like. There's the title of of the mm-hmm. <laughs> of the of the show and there's a description that you can read. So <laughs> just like just, you know, b- calm down, okay? Just just Let's please. Hear. Another reason that we're discussing coins is because we're also going to talk about the relationship between Geralt and Dandelion. And of course, the storyteller akin to Shakespeare who coins <laughs> coins <laughs> toss a coin to your witcher um and other songs that cement Geralt as I think that's actually the decided hero. That's that's the title of his album, Toss a Coin to Your Witcher and Other Songs. Right? Yes. Yeah. And on it, he and Geralt are dressed like coins. <laughs> yeah, but that's only on the that's only on the B side. That's the Right. Right. <laughs> I for I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little little known um little known factoid there. This part three will get just a little bit more character focused. We've gone 
into detail about kind of the more generalized world of The Witcher in parts one and two um, and information on the series. And now here we're going to get just a little bit more specific like we like mm. to do. So so snuggle in, get some good, get some good popping corn, get ready to hear, to hear popping some tales. Popping the corn. Popping the corn. Um, I'm also shimmying now. I don't know why, but I am. So <laughs> you, you shimmy a lot. I, I do. I think that's just like your general response when you're excited about something is you just shimmy. It's become like a comfort thing, like the movement. Like a Pat Benatar. Yeah. 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 Totally. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes when Gerald is a top roach, he also shimmies a little bit, just to get a little <laughs> bit comfortable. I've noticed. Um, I think it's also fitting that we're being silly because the first thing I'm going to talk about is how kind of the dark comedy of this world is established because it is really there. Like you, you talk a lot about like you can talk a lot about the lore and the really serious dark um, topics that are in there as well. But there are also really big kind of funnier moments. Um, and I think most of those are established between Dandelion and Geralt in a really sweet and kind of fun way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely <laughs> wanted to talk about it. Um, and I think these moments span across the television show and the video games. Um, there are some just in the non-player characters in the video games, you sometimes hear them, like, if there's someone who's just doing, like, a watch post job at, like, midnight, he'll just be silly, uh, singing, like, a really silly song, and you'll be in the middle of solving this really big moral quandary, and then you'll hear this this guard kind of singing, like, a dumb song off in the, in the um, background. So there are these littler moments of, of humor all throughout the video games. Um, and then you also see this dark comedy in the, I think, direct um, differences between the the demeanors, specifically of Geralt and Dandelion. So mm-hmm. we have one thing that I really appreciated in Cavill's um, performance as Geralt is that he is grumpy. Yeah, he's so grumpy and kind of plagued by the world around him. You get, and you know, rightly so. The work, the work of a witcher is really difficult, but it's also like every single thing he does is like, <laughs> okay, fine, I guess I'll do this, um, this thing. And you know, that's not to say that doesn't. I don't think that doesn't make the the moral questions any less um less addressed but it does just kind of give you a moment of like a little bit of humor and that juxtaposes really nicely with our sweet our sweet optimistic dandelion who is just just such a joy to watch um the best (laughs) the best part of the show honestly he honestly like where people had questions about much of the casting. No one had a question about <laughs> um, about the work of Joey Beatty. He is just doing just such a such a lovely job of um, just exuding that boyish optimism. And I think that's really hard to do and also not be obnoxious because uh-huh. he's yeah. not like you can see when Geralt is a, is annoyed with him certainly, and that's are. where you. Yeah, you're never, yeah. um, 
You're laughing even more so because Geralt is so exasperated with the world <laughs> at large. And then uh, uh, Dandelion just makes it that just a little bit more highlighted that Geralt is always exasperated with the world <laughs> across <laughs> the board forever. Um, I don't think you ever see Geralt smile unless he's like vying for something. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? He's never yeah. like, he's not just walking through Skellige like super smiley. <laughs> he only, it's almost that when you see Geralt smile, you know something's going on that maybe shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> or that he's kind of up to something. Um, and I think there's also a lot to be said about this relationship and the ways that the ways that our friend Dandelion or Jaskier um, has really made Geralt from just a, a witcher into the witcher. A lot of mm. that is done by our friend Dandelion um, and I think that that is why, perhaps why Geralt is so um, exasperated with him, but in like a loving way, you know, he's like, I know I'm getting much of my work from the the songs that Dandelion has spread through the nation um, about me, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean I'm also going to be a little bit annoyed about it. But also, thanks, buddy. Like, it's a very, <laughs> it's a very complicated um, experience there. Much like Tom Haverford and Ron Swanson. Oh, I like, love that. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's or a really like, spot like, on. Uh, Andy Dwyer and Ron Swanson. Right. Because from the, from Andy, from the Andes, from the, um, from the dandelions there is like an awe they're in awe of of Geralt of Ron Swanson uh-huh. they they do genuinely like love that person as a friend and kind of want the world to know all of the things that they're doing um and I think that I think that the Geralts and the Swansons see that and they understand that and that's why the relationship goes on is that mm-hmm. This person is is sweetly foolish and also <laughs> and also a good person and also someone you should keep around and I just really I really appreciate how that's explored because um, Geralt doesn't have a whole lot of friends like he doesn't seek community in in the uh-huh. ways that others might um, and so when he does invite people in. It just it's really interesting to see how they work together and kind of to figure out why he lets the people in that he does. He lets Yennefer in. He lets um, obviously he lets well, not obviously, I guess he lets Siri in and then he lets um, Dandelion in Um, all for very different reasons, I think. But Mm -hmm. and there's also something to be said about Dandelion as a as a misfit as well, like next to Geralt he kind of looks like the boyishly charming one but he's also a little bit silly and a little bit um I don't know a non-traditional leading man so Mm -hmm. I think there's a through line of the misfit there as well in much of what Geralt invites into his life um which I think is kind of really fun to see and I I just I also 
obviously love the friendship between Geralt and um, and Dandelion because of the songs that we get from it. They're like, mm-hmm. I listen to those on a Monday morning as I'm lesson right? planning. Like they're they're so pretty. Um, and we also get like really great lyrics to them as well, along with the melody. In the same way that kind of Lord of the Rings played with with some songs and some storytelling mm-hmm. in song forms. Yeah, like the in one the that same, I had stuck yeah. in my head earlier today. <laughs> yeah, actually, exactly. I think it was actually in one of the Hobbit movies, the song that I had stuck in my head. And now I kind of even remember what the song was. But anyway, go on. Go on. I love it. You proved my point that... Um, yeah, these songs are catchy. And they're also, um, we'll talk about it a little later in the series, but they're also very reminiscent about, uh, of um, stories like, like how the lyrics of the songs that Dandelion sings are very reminiscent of like those epic hero quest poems, like Beowulf mm-hmm. and things like that. But I'm talking a lot about men right now, and I'm kind of uh, over it. Uh, <laughs> men. Men. Who needs them? Not me. No. Um, <laughs> so should we talk about some women then? I Is that what you're time. trying to hint? Trying That's, to hint that I'd like yeah. to hear about the Okay, let's talk about women. Yeah. yeah. I, and, you know, I can't believe it's taken us until the middle of part three to talk about how this show has so many amazing strong female characters that are like well-rounded and they're like flawed and they're well-developed and yeah and they're all really great um which I think probably we probably have more than more than a little bit of that is owed to having uh, a woman as the showrunner um, yeah and I think a lot of women were involved in the writing of the show so I kind of had uh, I had a couple of different um, so uh, like I have kind of my own thoughts and my own feelings about the women characters in the show but I also um, found some really good commentary uh, there, there are a lot of like really good think pieces about kind of um, uh, the feminist uh, angle or the feminist lens um, through which we can look at um, the characters in The Witcher. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there was this, uh, there's a great article from Vulture that looks at um, kind of a, a kind of zooms out and looks at kind of the bigger picture, like I was mentioning with you know having a female showrunner and kind of like the other the other things that are going going on right now in the world of fantasy television. Um, so this article talks about how you know the the women in this show are empowered by their own agendas. They are flawed. Um, but they are not punished for those imperfections. They're allowed to grow and to become um, better people. Right. 
And, you know, they're women who are actively seeking control over their own bodies. And I'll, yeah. I'll talk, I'll talk a little bit more about that um, a little bit later. This article kind of compares um, this storytelling to science fiction and fantasy trailblazers like Octavia Butler, Ursula K. Le Guin, um, yeah. who, who told these kinds of stories about women, you know, decades ago. Uh, it points out that you know, throughout time, women have been treated as vessels for men's emotions and lineage and reputation. And both the the TV series of The Witcher and the books acknowledge and attempt to address those injustices. But uh, as the article points out, the show does that without reiterating harmful depictions of women as sexual objects. Right. And then it also joins uh, going back to the fact that, you know, it's run by a woman. It joins this kind of movement in, in a fantasy TV right now that suggests that, you know, there might be much more possibilities for, for, these kinds of stories in the future. Um, the three yeah. current sh- the three current sho- shows that they point out are The Magicians, which is on Sci-Fi, and then Charmed, which is a reboot of the of the Charmed series from like the late nineties, I think. Oh wow! Um, and Westworld all have oh. all have female showrunners or co showrunners, and then it also names a few upcoming uh, fantasy projects. So um, Nettie Okorafor's novel, Who Fears Death, has been optioned by HBO. And Disney has bought the movie rights for Tomi Adeyemi's novel, Children of Blood and Bone, which both of those novels are um, based in Afrofuturism. So I think both of those will be really interesting um, to see yeah. where this kind of idea of feminist or womanist fantasy um, develops. Um, but then looking at The Witcher specifically, um, like I mentioned, women's bodies and women's control over their own bodies plays yeah. a really big role in Sapkowski's books. Um, so his universe depicts uh, it it goes into a kind of stark detail about the pain of miscarriage and yeah. um, characters who deal with sterility and arranged marriage, um, which yeah. I think arranged marriage is a very uh, prevalent theme um, for women in fantasy stories. Absolutely. The female body is depicted in in really interesting and thoughtful ways in the books, even amidst, you know, there's, there's like a war going on. So there's like a lot of, you know, body, like gore, like blood and guts, um, right. <laughs> which, you know, gets a little, if, if you're squeamish, then, you know, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but then he also adds this other fascinating layer of women and their role in politics. 
Um, yeah. You know, we have several female rulers um, and women who have prominent places in um, in kingdoms. And Sub- Subkowski, um, his portrayal of relationships between women um, is very like well-rounded like we have like very healthy kind of like sisterhood type friendships between women and then we also have like you know like the more antagonistic relationships between women of which they all exist in the real world um yeah and then um really in the books um Siri is kind of at the at the heart of this in the books, but I think in the show, um, it's more focused on Yennefer as being kind of the the um, the center of what the show is saying about women. Um, yeah, and it's interesting. I think that in the show we do have Geralt as the central protagonist, and then we have. Um, Jaske, but then like there's all these women whose stories are also being told that I find more interesting. Um, <laughs> Me too. Totally. I mean, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's this cast of very complex and fearless women who who struggles with their with their own bodies and with their role or their place in society are really. Um, fleshed out in the show really well so in the books a recurring theme is female sterility and it's also this also comes up in the show through the uh through J- uh yennefer's story um yeah. in the books you find out that yennefer was born on beltane which is a fertility festival and in the show, we explore her backstory in the second episode, which is called Four Marks. And that title refers to the amount of money that Yennefer was sold for to the magical school for sorceresses, where yeah. she faces even further torment um, from her teacher and from some of the other girls, too. Yeah. And so... When we see her in the next episode or the next episode or two, when we see her, when she's like come fully into her own as this powerful sorceress, we see that contrasted very starkly with with where she started out and her tragic backstory. And we find out that for all sorcerers and sorceresses in the world of the series, the price of their magical power is that they can't have children. So for Yennefer being born on a fertility festival and she has the magical ability to grant other women fertility, it's all kind of like a cruel twist of fate for her um, because she desperately wants to have a child herself. And so we see her looking for a solution to this but she's never able to. And I think I think some people might interpret this as a commentary on um, how like traditionally high achieving career women have to like quote unquote sacrifice having yeah. a family so that they can um, so that they can advance in their career. 
And I think you could see you could see kind of a parallel there. Um, but then we also see we haven't seen this in the show yet, but in the books we see that Yennefer's destiny is also entwined with Ciri's destiny. And right. she kind of ends up playing uh, kind of a mother role to Siri later on. Yeah. And they form that kind of bond. So yeah, I just I just find I find it really exciting and really interesting that uh, that the show is playing with these different like kind of fantasy stereotypes of women or fantasy tropes of yeah. women. And it's just completely flipping that on its head. I think yeah. also of like Queen Calanthe is like this super like badass ruler. Um, yeah. And she's very like, she's very complex. She has a lot of depth to her character, even though we don't really see very much of her. But you feel right. like, yeah, but you feel like you know her so well. You can tell yeah. she's a theatrical actress, too. You can yeah. just tell she's been in Shakespeare. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. I love the one scene where she comes in from the battle and she's like, beer! And she has like uh-huh. her like huge like tankard of beer. That's great. <laughs> And then uh, to kind of wrap this up, this uh, I think isn't as apparent or as explored in the show, but um, there was an article I found from, I don't know where this is from, but it was written by um, a writer named Amy Hart, and we'll have a link to the article available. But she explores um, a lot of these ideas of, um, you know, complex and interesting woman characters. Um, And then she also talks a little bit about how the TV series handles race, which might not be something that we think about. Because, I mean, like, most of the people in The Witcher are white. (laughs) So uh, you might not. If if you are white, that might not be something that you would think about. Um, right. But she she says, um, in particular, the show handles race in a way that's different from what we know from the games and the books by actually including characters that are not just white. Absolutely. Um, she says it's part of what makes the world so compelling, and it helps that the diversity extends to the main cast. So she talked to a writer named Natalie Flores who said I really appreciate that Yennefer in the TV show is brown players and readers of the Witcher series will know that Yennefer like most characters within that universe is portrayed as being a white woman but while the Witcher universe accounts for race differently than our world that's not necessarily what's most important It's vital to recognize what Yennefer being a woman of color signifies in our world. She's a brown woman who is extremely powerful, desirable, selfish, afraid to be vulnerable, flawed, ambitious, and complex in all the ways that most white women get to be in media, but that women of color are often not allowed to also be. So I thought that that was a a really important perspective because I think that the um the casting choice for Yennefer was another one that a lot of people were maybe not happy about 
And I think that there was a little bit of racism involved in that. Absolutely. So yeah, I think that is really important to point out that that's, that it's not necessarily like the show might not even be trying to comment on race in this way, but it still is, especially if you are, you know, if you are a person of color who's not used to seeing people who look like you in a fantasy show, that is a very important thing to point out. So uh, I just wanted to, uh, to give space for that. I, yeah, I really appreciate specifically how the character of Yennefer is portrayed in the television show. Like, and that actress is phenomenal. Like, oh, you she's really, so great. You see her making, like, every choice that she has to make and every, like, she plays into her background of having been, um, having been someone who was had such a difficult time with her peers in in mm-hmm. school and you see her coming to her own and realizing that none of that mattered at all like and you, you see you see that like her acting is just phenomenal and mm-hmm. just yeah in awe of her yeah she's great and she's like and she beautiful keeps a, like yeah oh my gosh phenomenally um, gorgeous she keeps a vulnerability in her performance, even when she's being, you know, Yennefer with a capital Y, you know, uh-huh. she, <laughs> she has such a vulnerability. I really just was so moved by her. I find her intimidating, but I also right. want to be her at the same time. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to, to wrap up for, for this part. Um, unless you had anything else to add. No, I just, I, I'm thinking about that last section. I really appreciate everything that you mentioned there. Thinking really about, awesome. talking about what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> just one part left, you guys. One part left. Wow. And this, and part four is where we're going to get really nitpicky and really fact checky. Part four, parkour. We're going to also jump from bridges while we do it. Yes. Parkour. Parkour. Yeah, that'll be fun. So I think, I feel like we always say that. That'll be fun. That'll be super fun. Tune in, uh-huh. tune in next week. I haven't more said. Fun with Aaron and Rhonda. I haven't said his little face in such a long time. I've had <laughs> no one's cute little yeah, face there's to no one. On. There's no one in this show who has a little face. A little face. <laughs> like his little face. Well, you know where to find us. So that sounded like that sounded like when a mom doesn't want to like <laughs> wants attention from her kids, doesn't want to feel like a like she's annoying. Like, you know where to find me. Just you know where kitchen. to find me. It's, I got some carrots. Go make some pizza bagels. <laughs> you're like, oh, mom, let's talk later. And she's like, no, it's fine. I'm cool. You go. Go vote for the film awards. Yeah. Enjoy your if if you are celebrating a holiday of some kind, enjoy your holiday. If you're not celebrating any holidays during this time of year, then enjoy the uh, yeah the cold <laughs> or the warm. Enjoy the cold. Enjoy perhaps maybe you're, enjoy. Maybe you're in the southern hemisphere and it's warm where you are, but yeah. Uh. Enjoy that by all means. Perhaps yeah. you're eating a bagel right now. Enjoy that. Perhaps you're um, eating a bagel. 
<laughs> just <Enjoy> guessing. Life. <laughs> We're just throwing. throwing We're guessing. just. We, eventually, something will be accurate. So. <laughs> This is how we're dropping our next podcast. Rhonda and Aaron, guess what you're eating right now? <laughs> oh, I like that. We It'll totally be dropping next year. Look for it. Yeah. All right, guys. Tune in next week and wear your mask. And please, we'll see you later. Goodbye. Okay, Bye.